The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, we're going to send Chris off into his four-day weekend with an edition of PFTOT, although he's also doing Chris Sims Unbuttoned later today. But I don't have any involvement with that. So if I don't have any involvement with it, it doesn't exist. PFTOT does exist, and Sims is here before detox to retox to untox to retox to detox and back and forth we go. Let's talk about something that has come up recently as it relates to members of the Detroit Lions organization who are speaking out in favor of their head coach, Matt Patricia, entering a critical third season on the job. Last year, owner Martha Firestone Ford made it clear that even though she's sticking with both GM Bob Quinn and coach Matt Patricia, Things have got to change. You had Darius Slay, who got traded out of town, had some choice words from Matt Patricia as he exited Trey Flowers and Danny Amendola, who have that Patriot DNA. They date back to Patricia's time in New England. They have come out and support the way Patricia does things. Chris, to me, this is very simple. You got to get enough guys in the building who will do things the way you want them to be done, and you got to win football games, or you're not going to be there long enough to instill the Patriot way. The clock ticks from the moment you walk through the door the first time when you got a locker room full of guys that aren't going to buy in. How do I get rid of these guys or convert them to my way of thinking? And how do I get guys in here who already have been converted to my way of thinking? And can I win enough games before the sand runs out of the hourglass? Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, you know, for, first off, I, I think that's why you see – an influx again in free agency of Patriot players there in Detroit, whether that's Deron Harmon, uh, I'd want to, you know, Danny Shelton is one. And I know I'm missing another. Oh yeah. Jamie Collins, of course, because I think that's the big, the big picture thought there, Mike, you're right. You know, New England and the way they do things, it's not for everyone. And especially sometimes for players like Darius Slay and Damon Snacks Harrison, who got drafted by teams that the culture was nothing like New England they could get away with certain things because they were star players and, you know, could maybe mess up on a little detail here and there. And because they were so good, the old coaching staff didn't care, whatever it may be. New England, hey, there's a, there's a reason they draft a certain type of player through their psychoanalysis testing and, you know, uh, behavior pattern testing and why they get certain guys up there in free agency. You know, you, you got to get guys that got a little bit of that robot mold in you to play in that system. There's a lot of thinking. There's a lot of rules to adhere to on a play-by-play basis. And then, of course, Matt Patricia just ain't going to kiss anybody's ass. That's not the way things are done in New England. And, you know, it's hard for star players, especially who weren't used to it. Listen, we saw Michael Strahan, who we know is like one of the nicest humans on earth. He was part of a Giants culture where, hey, you're the man, Michael Strahan, it doesn't matter. All of a sudden, Tom Coffin comes in with that, you know, Belichick, Bill Parcells, crack the whip, and things are tough around here. And he didn't like it, right? So then he saw the results. To your point, we got to get better results there in Detroit to where I think more and more players will buy in. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think that it, with the, the influx of Patriot players, I think that will help Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia in a big way. 
And I always laugh a little bit when a former Bill Belichick assistant goes on to become a head coach and insists, I'm going to do it my way. What that assistant doesn't realize is your way is shaped by all those days, weeks, and months that you worked with Bill Belichick. And even if you do a few things differently than Bill, you still are him. The DNA is imprinted onto you, whether it's Patricia, Brian Flores, anybody that's been there for more than five or six years is going to be like Bill Belichick. And the thing is, if you don't win, your way is going to be so jarring from the pre-existing culture because, hey, look, the pre-existing culture sucked. That's why the team hired you. Exactly but it right. Is not an easy fix because the team is not going to be great while it's going through those growing pains of adjusting to a different way of doing things, Chris. That's why this year is so critical. And, and th- that would be the worst thing the Lions could do if they go 5-11, and 4-12, and 6-10. Oh, well, this experiment's a failure. No, it's not. It just needs more time to get to the point where you maximize the benefit of the Patriot way. That's right. It takes time. It takes time to accumulate those type of players who can have that selfless way about them and also to build the roster to where we know up in New England – built in such a way that it's so versatile and we know it's this malleable game plan week to week that changes on both sides of the ball. One week you can see the Patriots and go, oh man, look at this. They're only playing one defensive lineman and five linebackers and doing crazy things. And then the next week you go, man, they're playing five defensive linemen and only one or two linebackers. Like it can change that way. And it's not easy to accumulate that talent, let alone you know, Mike, to what you're saying is that that culture that is brutal, you know, having worked there, having no players there, it's just it's not easy and it takes time to build. We saw Belichick. It took him time in New England. It took a little time in Cleveland, too. So uh, and, and most players are not used to that, you know, and I'm not trying to talk bad about Damon Snacks Harrison or Darius Slay, but more times than not players like that. They were at college. They were the best players. Everybody kind of kisses your butt and everything's great. And then you get in the NFL and their first round or high draft picks and have some success and everybody kisses your butt and that's great. You know, in New England, that never happens. You could be the top 10 pick and you come in the building and they're going to treat you cr- like crap or just like the, the 70th guy on the offseason roster and Tom Brady's treated the same way too. And that's just some players can't handle it at certain points in their career. And I think that's what you saw with Harrison and Darius Slay. And one of the problems in today's NFL with a salary cap and with salary cap consequences for getting rid of a player who has bonus money that was previously paid and would wreak havoc on your cap, you can't just get rid of 10% of the roster, 15% of the roster. Get rid of guys who are influential in the locker room because, number one, they're pretty good, and number two, you are going to take a cap hit that maybe you would rather not take. So you have to maybe work with the guys a little bit, see if you can work it out. You maybe would like to persuade a guy to do things your way. You give it a year or two, and then you cut the cord like the Lions have done. But this is a critical year, and it would be a shame if the Lions do prematurely end this. But uh, I feel like if they don't get at least within playoff contention, they'll have to make it, but if they're not in contention, they're going to yet again try something else as this Detroit Lions team and franchise continue, what, 60 years of mediocrity at the very, very best. When you're celebrating the 25-year anniversary of your last playoff win, that is not a cause for celebration. That is, the fact that you would even celebrate 
that it's been 25 years since you last won a playoff game summarizes the entirety of the problem in Detroit, Chris, doesn't it? It does. It kind of speaks volumes to where they're at as a franchise. You're right. Hey, we're celebrating 25 years of, you know, below mediocrity or just a few playoff appearances where we couldn't win a football game or whatever it may be. Um, But it's a huge year. Yeah, I think, you know, of course, for the GM, the head coach, a huge year for Matt Stafford, you know, whether he continues to be that guy and do they want to go into the future with him or is it time to just kind of make the change because it's run its course? I don't know. There's a lot of questions there to be answered in Detroit. I do think they have some pieces to be a a, a contender. And I, when I say contender, like be in that playoff conversation, I'm with you. You know, if they went eight and eight or nine and seven, uh, I, I'm also with you in the thought that I would be very careful or hesitant about changing, you know, the regime just off of that. You know, last year, I thought we saw some really things that I looked at and went, man, this, this Lions team's on the right track. Let's not forget, they got screwed over up in Green Bay with some horrible calls on Trey Flowers. Matt Stafford got hurt. They also lost that heartbreaking game to the Kansas City Chiefs where they kind of controlled the game and outplayed them and did that. They had a few moments or games you know, the, the Arizona Cardinals to start the season, have a big lead, let that end up being a tie. So I, I think if they can take the next step to where they can find ways to win those games, uh, you're going to see a team that I think, you know, is competitive and maybe in that playoff conversation. Producer Pete Demolimilita, I'm doing this like you and I keep screwing it up. I'm just going to say Demolitis. I think that's, uh, you, you've got so you many connotations I don't even know what's right. Pete I D. Know. Pete D has a question. <laughs> Worst celebration, the Lions commemorating their 25th anniversary of their last playoff victory or the Colts hanging an AFC finalist banner? Which one's worse? Well, well the, the, the Lions won by far. I mean, at least, at least the Colts can go, we were an AFC finalist and we won playoff games or maybe we're a number one and number two seed and got there. I mean, what the hell are you even wasting money on making a banner or doing something like that to go, huh? We haven't won a game and we haven't won a playoff game in 25 years. Let's celebrate. You know, I, that makes absolutely no sense to me at all. Yeah, I mean, it's not something you want to remind people of. That's my problem no. with it. Like, hey, this is great. Hey, it's been 25 years since we last won a playoff game. Oh, wait, it's been 25 years since we last won a playoff game. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
Never mind. All right, let's answer a couple of questions real quick from the folks who have been good to uh, fill us up with just a few of these. Some of them can be repeated. Some cannot be. This one comes from PFTPM Posse, an issue from a week ago that has died down, fortunately for Mike Tomlin. How often do you think coaches, GMs, owners, et cetera, hand players envelopes of cash to help pay for a BS fine or any number of reasons we could easily come up with in order to sneak money to players under a wink, a wink, nod, belch, fart arrangement? Chris, do you think it happens on a regular basis that people find ways to give highly compensated NFL players a little extra money in an envelope for whatever reason they may want to do it? I don't think it's a consistent thing. I don't. I think it's, you know, I think there's probably uh, more than a handful of coaches who have all done it a few times in their career. But, you know, it has to be the right scenario. Uh, The coaches aren't going to try to stick up for some free safety who's like, Uh, doing illegal headshots back, you know, to wide receivers over the middle repeatedly and going to be like, oh, here's more money. Here's more money. Here's more money. I'm going broke paying for your fines. No, that does not happen. You know, it happens more times than not with a guy like James Harrison, who's a staple of the team. He tried to do something the right way in which they kind of like respected like that play with James Harrison. And you know, the coach is trying to do that guy a solid to be like, hey, I respect the way you played. I know you got a penalty, uh, but that's the style and ferociousness I want you to play within. You know, I, I'm going to say, you know, I, again, it's every now and then. I played eight years in the NFL. I think I saw it two or three times in my career where guys helped out another guy through a fining system. I think that it's not rampant or commonplace, but that it happens more than we realize. And I think back to the early days of the salary cap when more often than not teams were having issues complying with the spending limit and they were trying to find ways to funnel cash to players. And how hard is it? How hard is it really to get together a a little tiny briefcase full of cash and kick it under the table to a guy who's ever going to know? Um, unless someone is dumb about it and runs their mouth. And a very wise man made the comment to me this week, there are certain players that you do give an envelope of cash to, and then there's James Harrison. You don't give him an envelope of cash because the chances of him ultimately saying something to someone are fairly significant, as he ultimately did, even though it took 10 years. Good All point. Right, another question. Chris W. wants to know, is Damian Williams going to be relevant this year? He was this Chiefs starting running back and still is technically. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, though, arrives in round one. Is Williams going to be relevant this year for Kansas City, Chris? Uh, I do think so. You know, and again, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think he'll have the biggest piece of the pie at the running back position for that Kansas City Chiefs team. I do. You know, the, the great thing for a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you know, the offense he played for in LSU, that Sean Payton West Coast-style offense, Andy Reid, it's the same offense. So he's going to learn this and be like up to speed, I would think, pretty quickly. But, you know, also Damian Williams still has some value. Hey, we saw him in person two years ago when that Colts playoff game, the divisional round. He's impressive. He's got speed. He can hit the hole hard. He can run with some power. So, you know, I think if you had to break down the reps for me, uh, I I don't want to say Damian Williams is not going to be irrelevant. I just think it'll probably be, 60-40, 60-40, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, maybe 65-35, and then maybe an increase as the year goes on and they go, okay, Edwards-Hilaire has a really good feel for the offense, whatever it may be. He's comfortable. He's out of that rookie way. Maybe it goes to 70-30, but I don't think Williams will be irrelevant totally. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, and, and Brett Veach has said so. We talked to him in the aftermath of the draft, and they're going to have basically both guys that are used, but but I'd say as time goes by and Edwards Hilaire gets his feet under him and learns the game, and yeah, we, we may see more of him in big spots than we will Damian Williams, who isn't – look, he's, he's, he's not bad, but in that offense, I, I just feel like that's – if you have to look for a weakness – that's one of the things you point to. 498 sure. rushing yards last year with 90 yards on one play, 408 the rest of the season. When And, again, it's not like Andy Reid is handing the ball off over and over and over again, but I just I think that they need more, and it's clear that they agree or they wouldn't have used a first-round pick on a running back. All right, one more well, yeah, and Mike, before to what you're saying, too, he doesn't have a huge presence in the pass game either. You know, that, that, that's a big part of it, right? You know, we want to see a back out of the backfield like a – you know, a guy that Brian Westbrook, who we saw for Andy Reid all those years where you just go, man, he can get in space and get open against anybody and make plays with ball in his hands after a catch. That's a little bit what they miss with Damian Williams. I mean, I'm just sitting here looking at his stats. He had 30 receptions for 213 yards last year. I think ultimately when Andy Reid evaluates his offense, he'd like a little more production in the pass game out of that position. All right, uh, one more question. James Dale, who's more likely to win NFL MVP this year, in your opinion, Chris? Kyler Murray or Carson Wentz? Ooh, wow, man. Mm. Ooh, I, I think I would feel more confident about Carson Wentz. Um, I love Kyler Murray, and I think he's going to make a huge, have a huge year this year. I just don't know if I think Arizona being in that division and, you know, still in the early stages of kind of turning around their football team under the vision of Cliff Kingsbury is going to be good enough or competitive enough to warrant an MVP. I mean, we all know, Mike, right? I mean, you got to be on a really good team to be in the MVP conversation. And I look at Philadelphia and go, I think they've done enough with the round wins, and I still think that defense could be special to where, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles could go 12-4 and four and he puts up great stats and is in that MVP conversation. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Last year for most of the season, he was the guy who stayed healthy while everyone around him crumbled. Because last year I said if he stays healthy wire to wire, he's an MVP candidate. But the team around him wasn't good enough. You have to have great play plus a team that is in the running for one of the top two seeds. And really at this point it's going to be the top seed because only the top seed gets the bye now, folks. You, you, it's, it's, we have to wait for the seed. I mean, we're going to talk about MVP all year long. But when the season ends, you see who the one seeds are. The best player from either of the one seeds is most likely to be the MVP. And it's going to be a lot for the Arizona Cardinals to be the one seed. But it's going to be a lot for the Eagles to be the one seed. Look, I, I think Kyler Murray is going to continue the trend we've seen of second-year quarterbacks basically taking the league by storm. Mahomes yeah. in 2018, Lamar Jackson in 2019, and I think it's going to be Kyler Murray in 2020. In 2017, too. Just like, That's true. You know, That's that true. You're, you're absolutely right. right. Second year right. for him. So it's, 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 uh, it's even more of a trend. Makes me feel even better about saying Kyler Murray. Between the two, I think Murray, but I don't think either is a legitimate or realistic MVP candidate, Chris. Yeah, I, I don't know if I do either. I'm, I'm not so sure about it. You know, Wentz did show – the ability to carry a football team. And you're right. I mean, I think if they could stay healthy around them, you know, I, 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 Kyler Murray has probably more top end talent. I'm not denying that. And I think he could put up some fantastic yards this year, but man, Rams, Seahawks and 49ers are scary to have to play those teams six times. And, you know, again, Arizona's trying to really kind of put together a team here as we go. 
Uh, I'm excited for both, but yeah, I, I guess I, I err, I err on favoring Wentz a little over Murray. All right. That's it for PFTOT Thursday edition. Chris Sims unbuttoned coming up later today. Maybe we'll do a PFTPM at some point before Memorial day weekend begins either way. Friday with Big Cat PFT Live. Check us out there and all day long at profootballtalk.com. Chris, enjoy your detox to retox, and uh, maybe I'll do a little of that. Not quite the same way. Similar, but very, very different. Everybody have a great day. Smoke them if you got them. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.